Hey everybody, this is TA and you're listening to The Recourse Podcast. Today I'm joined by Rachel Williams, who is a fellow podcaster. Her and her sister Melissa have an amazing podcast called A Mess Nonetheless. The focus of today's conversation with Rachel is on disordered eating. Rachel is very vulnerable to share some of the ways that she has experienced disordered eating. She walks us through the ways she recognized some of the patterns in her life with food and exercise, some of the ways her family supported her and helped her, and more importantly, she talks about what um, every day after that has looked like, and I think it's going to be very encouraging um, for us to all look at how our relationships with food and health impact ourselves and those around us. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Rachel. Um... I normally start the podcast by asking, um, how do we know each other? Um, Mm -hmm. So why don't you introduce yourself and let's see um, what your answer to that question would be. How do we know each other? Yeah. Well, I would say the internet, but (laughs) that can't be right because that, I mean, that is how I'm quote unquote met you, but you know, my whole family because you live in the same town as them. And I honest to goodness thought we just followed each other because the interwebs are weird and then find out, you know, all of the people that I know. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I guess that's how we know each other. <laughs> I love that. I love those interweaving connections of who knows who yeah. and how. And all of a sudden you're like, you know, when you go on Facebook and you're like, you have 37 mutual friends. Yeah. Like, how did I not know you? That's <laughs> how I always feel. How did I not come across you before? <laughs> well, I've been so excited that you were willing to come on the podcast today and share because you are a podcast aficionado yourself <laughs> and have a fantastic show called A Mess Nonetheless you. with Your Sister. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, my sister and I talked about starting a podcast like four or five years ago. I was actually running a ministry and she was on my leadership team and we put on women's conferences and we had like a boutique and books and online devos and things like that. It was a big ministry. I mean, I think I had, I had anywhere at any given time, 50 to hundred volunteers. Mm-hmm. And so, um, podcast was kind of next on the list because my sister and I always did these lives together on Facebook to kind of announce things. And, <clears throat> you know, just, I don't even remember. We would just interview volunteers and stuff like that. And so people love them. They were like, yeah. these are so fun. And we, I would do them with other people and she would do them with other people, but people always loved when we did them together. So we were like, oh, maybe we should do a podcast someday. And we actually were with our sister-in-law who's a photographer and we were all dressed up and going out to dinner. And so we brought a camera and we're like, well, let's just take some like pictures. And that was like four years ago. And, um, and then COVID happened and I started homeschooling my kids and my sister started, her kids were home, five kids were home all the time. And so one thing, just got, it's just one thing that got put on the back burner. And then all of a sudden this last spring, I was really praying about Lord, what am I supposed to do next in ministry? I had moved across the country. That ministry shut down with COVID. I didn't take it with me to, from Minnesota to, or Wisconsin to Arizona and was not feeling led to start it back up. And so I really felt strongly it was supposed to be a podcast. And I was like, well, I got to do this with my sister. Like I literally can't imagine doing it alone or with anyone else. And so, um, she prayed about it and it was a big yes. And so it's called a mess nonetheless. And we just, honestly, we talk about the really messy parts of life, like judging our friends or feeling judged by our friends or getting our feelings hurt or, you know, feeling sorry for ourselves or, you know, our body image issues and things like that. Um, how to love our families through the holidays. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that you guys are both so vulnerable because there's stories that you share and there's ways that you guys almost call each other out. In yeah, certain ways too we, that you're very we have full permission in our relationship to do that. And I think that's that's um, a value in a relationship that not everybody has or feels like they have that connection with somebody. And yeah. I love that you're displaying that. It gives people a road path to hopefully build that type of relationship with others. Yeah. Too. Well, and we've shared how bad our relationship has been in the past, mm-hmm. how unhealthy, how untox- how toxic, and then how really Melissa had to pull away from me for a, I don't know, like a couple of years. Like we weren't close at all because she needed to do a lot of healing so that we could be close again. And I had to do a lot of asking for forgiveness. Um, you know, I was super, we're five and a half years apart. I was super young when she started treating me like an adult and I wasn't an adult and I didn't act like an adult. And, and I just, I hurt her a lot. And, um, so now we're in this place where it's like, we just have to call it out. Like, cause otherwise hurts build up. And we did a whole series, um, a five part mini series on conflict it's like, this is the reason that people like say, oh, I wish I had a relationship like you and your sister have, or I wish I had friendships like that. And it's like, well, we worked stinking hard for that. Yeah. <laughs> so you can have it too. I don't know with who specifically God has in mind for you, but like, it takes a lot of effort to have such a healthy and um, mutually benefiting relationship. And we have worked through a lot of ups and downs to get here, but 
Yeah. yeah. Well, you guys do a fantastic job of not only being vulnerable, but being honest and authentic. And then you also bring in you. your biblical worldview and which mm-hmm. I really appreciate that anytime you've talked about a difficult topic, you mm-hmm. bring, you bring scripture into it. That brings it back mm-hmm. to this foundational piece of mm-hmm. who we are and who made us. I, I yeah. love that. I think that that is not also the way we speak to each other or talk to each other in a way when we're counseling each other or mm-hmm. loving up on each other. And I, I also love that yeah. uh, path. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, for us, everything points to Jesus. The Bible is our roadmap. And so, you know, it's like, well, there are a couple of topics we did where we're like, it's not like the Bible is inherently like talks about this, but also like, if you want to talk about glorifying God and, you know, and, and so it's like everything we do, even if it's not specifically in the Bible can be done in a glorifying way. Exactly. So, yeah. I love that. Um, but like I said, I'm so excited that you are here today because we're going to be talking about a topic um, that uh, you have personally dealt with and something I've been wanting to talk about on the podcast for quite a while. We're mm-hmm. going to be talking about disorient. Um, did I say that wrong? Dis- Disordered. Disordered. I was saying disoriented. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, we're going to be talking about disordered eating. Yeah. So um, give me a little bit of background. Um, when did you kind of start that path of noticing that that might be something you were struggling with. Okay. So a little backstory. Um, you know, I was really thin my whole life. Like people commented on how long my legs were, how tall I was. I was blonde. You know, I, I got a lot of attention for my looks and like my sister actually is like five and a half inches shorter than me. She's got more of an athletic build. She did not get as much attention on her looks. And in reality, like she, I mean, she looked perfect I mean, She really was like this. I don't know. It's like people were just drawn to the way that my body was designed. And so I spent my whole life hearing, hey, your looks matter, your looks matter, your looks matter, your looks matter. And then, um, you know, I became an adult and I gained weight after we got married. And honestly, it didn't really bother me. Like I just bought different clothes and whatever. I didn't think that much of it. And I didn't eat healthy at all. So it's like, you know, well, yeah, I don't eat healthy. So, and I don't work out. So of course it makes sense. And I was not like, I did not have this massive issue with food or my body in my, honestly, most of my 20s. And then um, I had my third, uh, well, sorry, I have a lot of adopted kids and they're all mixed in. So I don't know what number child he was. I think he was number five. (laughs) I don't even know why I said third because he was my second that I birthed. Um, When I gave birth to my second birthed child, he was my fifth in line. Um, And then we've had some more adopted kids. So now he's like seven in line. a little move around in there. That's okay. It all shifted a little bit. Um, When I gave birth to him, I actually got really thin, like just super thin. And boy, did that feel good. I I mean, I was running and I I didn't really eat that healthy, but I was running. And and, um, and then I got really thin and I was like going to kill myself. I was so depressed um, with postpartum depression. It was really Mm -hmm. bad. It hit me Mm -hmm. really, really Mm -hmm. bad, really fast. So then I was like sick. I mean, like my bones were sticking out. I mean, it was like people were really concerned. I wasn't eating. I, of course I was super skinny. I wasn't eating. And um, so all that to say, sorry, I'm making a very, it could be, I'm making a very long story, very long. I'm not keeping <laughs> I'm making it short at all. I'm keeping it long. <clears throat> then I started gaining weight when I got healthier and I gained about 10 pounds and I was miserable. I hated, I hated it. I, I felt fat in areas that I certainly had had before and I never noticed, but I suddenly had had this skinny body I never had, and I wanted that body back. What did so, what flipped the switch to want to go from being unhealthy to healthy? Was it to finally getting support for postpartum or? Oh yeah. So when I, I got help for my postpartum depression, and then I started eating like a normal person again. I mean, I I ate 300 calories a day for weeks because someone forced me to eat it, and I'm talking like a bowl of rice check cereal, yeah. like nothing like just empty calories and you know, I was just kind of like literally falling. My fat was falling off my body and my bones were just like what was left. And, um, so then all of a sudden my body felt massive to me. It felt totally wrong and it wasn't, I was still quite thin, but I I hated it. And that was, um, almost 10 years ago. And that began my journey of disordered eating. I didn't know it at the time. I actually didn't know it until just over a year ago when my sister pointed it out to me and I was like, what? No, I don't think so. And I started Googling and boy is Google informing. Informative. So 
Go ahead. I think so many people can relate to what you said about just not feeling yourself in your own body. We mm-hmm. go through that with pregnancy. We go through that during mm-hmm. our lives. But when you just have that moment of realization of like uncomfortableness within yep. yourself and then that mm-hmm. guilt that comes in for some women or shame yeah. that comes in and how do we suss that out or, you know, be able to divide that out of that's, that's not, a, you know, the appropriate response, but how do we right. go through that? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So then it's like, now I, then I started, I was a healthier eater at that point, but then it was like, at some point over the next few years, I started, food became very much like if I can control my food, I can control my weight. Oh, sure. And for my thirties, that was true. Now I'm 40 and that is not true anymore. (laughs) What foods were you kind of like, did you have certain rituals or different like? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'll tell you, I would say I'm living in freedom when it comes to disordered eating. And I still catch myself counting calories. Sure. Well, I know how much the English muffin is. I know how many slices of cheese that is. If I use this many pieces of, you know, um, meat, if I have one egg and I like, it's almost like I mentally slap my own hand, you know, just like sure. stop yeah. it. Put mm-hmm. those numbers out. You don't care about those numbers anymore, but I counted calories. I did the, I mean, I kind of did everything. And, and that when it finally came to head was when my sister heard me talking for like the millionth time about some program I was going to do and I was going to lose 10 pounds. And I mean, I look back on that season, which to be clear was 20 pounds ago from now. I know we're not like people can't see us, but I am a very, very healthy Mm -hmm. looking, active looking woman. You look beautiful. Yep. Thank you. And 20 pounds ago is when I was panicking over 10 pounds. And I'm talking 10 years later, nine years later from when I first really started with this issue. And so I was like, this is going to be the program where I'm going to finally lose this 10 pounds. And I didn't see how thin I looked. I didn't see how good I looked. All I saw was when I looked in the mirror, I saw weight. I saw weight that didn't used to be there. And I only felt good in this one size and at this one weight and in this one feeling of like when I bend over, like the amount of fat that might be there, things like that. Um, I mean, I would wake up with my hand just like on my stomach because, you know, I'm laying on my back or whatever. And I could wake up and tell, is today going to be like a good day or a bad day based on how much fat I felt under my hand? Yeah. And this was 20 pounds ago. And I was very, very thin. I mean, like for a reference, I still wore a size four. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like I don't anymore, but I did. And I was right. like, I just need to lose 10 pounds. I was probably a four. Six. I was a four, six. I'll say that yeah. it was the other. That's ridiculous. Like that is ridiculous. And maybe you're listening to this and you're going, well, good for you. I'm a size 20. Like I'm a size 16, whatever. It really doesn't matter what size you are. The issue isn't in your pants size or on the scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's pointing at her head. The issue's in your own right. head. Yeah, that's right. And I think that even if you had 50 pounds to lose, you can still be a disordered eater. And you, you know, like I understand some people are like, no, I'm actually like pre-diabetic. I really like my knees are bad. I need to lose weight. I get that. There is a time and a place to healthily lose weight. I now understand that it looks very different than I ever thought. And for me, well, and for other people, disordered eating becomes an obsession. It's not a season. It's not, I'm going to do this for three months and lose, you know, 50 pounds. And I might gain back a few, you know, 10 pounds when I start eating a little less restrictive. No, it was like, this is my life every minute of every day. I thought about food all day long. I woke up thinking about food. I went to bed shaming myself over food. I woke up shaming myself over the day before. You know, it's like if I told myself I was going to eat one tiny little, um, you know, those, um, little candy bars that are like real candy bars and they only have a couple grams of fat or oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Of sugar. They're called yeah. like real good or something like that. I like to buy them for my kids. Cause I'm like, these are like actually yeah, less sweet. sugar, more the fruit. And yep, yep. exactly. Yep. Um, if I told myself I was going to leave one of those and I ate three, it's like, okay, we're still talking nine grams of sugar. Like that's well within like your daily allotted like limit. Yeah. I would just be right myself all night and all morning and all next day. And I would force myself to think I'm not going to eat any, I'm not going to eat any for two days. I'm going to make up for it. You know? And it's like, this is, this is disordered eating. I found like a seven signs of disordered eating online. And, um, TA said she'll put it in her show notes. And the first one is obsessive thoughts about food, eating, or weight, intrusive, obsessive thoughts and behaviors that interfere with daily life, such as engaging in diets, counting calories, body checking, microbiting at meals, compulsive exercise, or avoiding social outings that involve food. Yeah. So that's like the number one sign. I mean, there's other signs and we can go through those too if needed, but 
I mean, that was me to a T. And so the reason I kept wanting to lose 10 pounds was because I thought if I get back to that place that I had been several times in my thirties on this, that specific weight, I always stopped thinking about my body because I just felt quote unquote perfect there. And so in my mind, if I could just get there, then I'm free. Yeah. I don't have to think about it anymore, which is ludicrous because I'd get there and I'd get, gain two pounds. And now I'm panicking that I have to get back to where I was. And it's a never ending cycle because guess what? <clears throat> I can gain five pounds in one day. If I, you know, I just mean, water weight, water weight in exactly. and of itself is, is a weight change. Um, I think we sometimes will, uh, attach some kind of moral compass to this as well. Like this moral, um, subset of I'm a bad person or I'm not worthy of, and if I just get to a specific number or gene size or whatever, yeah. I'm going to then be the good person or the kind person or the person that I want to be for everybody else. And I think yeah. that's such a horrible misnormal or, um, uh, thoughts we have in our head. When you were going through this season, did you have people you felt like you could, you were, getting support from, or was this a hidden thing for you? Well, it was hidden from me. Like I literally, my eye was completely blind to it until my sister suggested it. I was like, no, this is just, I just think it'll be healthy when I can stop obsessing about food when I get to the certain weight. So I'm just going to get to that certain weight. So you were doing it in a way that was just even like, it was just the running soundtrack in the back of your brain that you didn't even realize was subconsciously informing your day-to-day thoughts and practice. And this was on display for everyone because I share my life with everyone. And so I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm doing this new thing and I'm trying this new thing and I'm going to drink more water here and I'm not going to have sweets after seven. Like I was constantly telling people about the new thing I was doing, not honestly thinking this is unhealthy, which is, was like devastating to me when it came to light. And I started digging into it and realizing I have literally just spent 10 years of my life obsessing over freaking food. Yeah. (laughs) the thing yeah. God gave us to nourish our bodies and like help our bodies. Like what a gift he's given us. And I just spent a decade. I wasted a decade. And I realized how like sinful it was that I was like, mm. God is not my first. How could he ever be my first? My food and my body is 100% my first. I am a slave to it. And sister and I have done a couple episodes on body image. And we're like, you know, we know the Bible's true. And it says that like, you know, pregnancy and labor and delivery is like the curse of women. But I'm like, I think the enemy was like, (laughs) no, I got you on this one. I'm going to make them busy and I'm going to make them obsessed with their own bodies. Yeah. Well, and judge each of each other. And this, Mm -hmm. like I said, that vulnerability to be able to go to somebody and say, I'm struggling in this is so hard. So then not that we don't support each other, but sometimes we don't even know we need support from each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the piece. Like you said, you were you were going through this in your own mind. It wasn't uh, something you were hiding from everybody or anything like that. It's right. like you were just dwelling within that world. Yeah. And that's, that's really hard. Um, tell me about when your sister finally called you out. What did that look like? How did you feel? Well, it was like so loving. Like she wasn't like, mm-hmm. um, Rachel, you need to know. I'm trying to remember how the conversation went. Oh, I know how it went because my sister really has never like had any signs sort of disordered eating. She just like really can't understand it. And her best friend is like a recovering, um, has a re- is recovering from it. She's in recovery from an eating disorder. She sure. would not ever say she's recovered because she's like, I know if I'm not careful, it can always come back. And so you know, she was kind of surrounded by that. And then like watching me and I'm certain actually that she talked to her best friend about her concerns for me, you know, and her best friend, CJ and I are friends. And so, um, that certainly isn't offensive to me. And I'm sure that CJ was like helping her kind of coach her, like how to talk to me and things like that. Because now I know that my sister was concerned for a long time about me, Mm -hmm. but she didn't feel that I was like open to it and not like, I like try to think back. I'm like, was I too prideful? Because certainly that could be the case, but I don't, think that she even thought I was too prideful. I think she was like, you were just so blinded by it. So mm-hmm. like, if you had said, I think you have a problem, I'd be like, no, I really don't. Like I, I've got this all under control. Like I've got a plan, you know, like, cause I did eat things like pizza and ice cream, like in front of people, you know, it wasn't like I was hiding it or binging it. And so I, I mean, I did binge, don't get me wrong, but it's not like I never ate like quote unquote, and this is the other thing, bad foods. Like I no longer will call foods good or bad, but you were talking about moral. I was like, we yeah. assign like morals to food. We do. We do. Are and inherently good yeah. Or bad. Yep. Yeah. And, and so it's like, I, I wouldn't have heard her because I honestly, I mean, I didn't, I wouldn't have believed her. And it wasn't that I would have been like defensive. I mean, maybe I would have been, but I think for the most part, I would have been clueless is really sure. why she didn't feel she could come to me with her concerns because it, anytime she maybe pressed in a little, I had a logical explanation. And so 
so when she finally came to me and said it, it was because I'm telling her one last, you know, about this kind of last ditch effort. This is going to be the thing that's going to work for me. And she was kind of like, why do you think that you need to lose these 10 pounds? And that's when I started explaining because I'm out of control with my eating. I'm out of control. And when I'm in control, I feel better. And when I'm out of control, I feel worse. Well, I'm also a chronic binger. And so I wasn't diagnosed with an eating disorder because I never actually went and asked anyone to diagnose me, but I was seeing a therapist and she absolutely agreed with me. I was a binger. I was a disordered eater. And you don't have to be diagnosed with an eating disorder to know you really have issues with food. And that's why I like the term disordered eating is because it very much applies to lots of styles of eating, kind of uh, viewing food in an unhealthy way without being officially like diagnosed with something. Cause most people wouldn't be diagnosed with an eating disorder, but they could self-diagnosed as a disordered eater. Right. So anyway, and I, I like that you did that diagnosis or like you were processing that thought also with the therapist. So there was somebody who was there innately to mm-hmm. give you support as you're processing mm-hmm. that. Now that could be your partner. That could be, like you said, a sister right. or a close friend. Mm-hmm. But that was an, also another little layer there for you because once you start having that thought process of, okay, I'm not doing something that's going to be the best for me, for my family. What's the next step of how to solve that issue? And so you right. have this kind of built in there, which is nice. Yeah. And I did a lot of work with a therapist. I went through EMDR. If your listeners don't know what it is, it's no, like, yeah, explain um, that. well, I mean, I wish I had Googled the exact, oh, so I could actually, no, it's okay. Um, but basically they bring you back through memories and, um, and it's like a memory comes to you and then you go back further and further and further and further. And so like, for me, I went through memories all the way back to literally like three, like as early as I could possibly remember. And they were all about my body. Like all these memories where we're at the zoo or we're at fireworks, like Mm -hmm. my whole life, we're doing these fun things. And like, all I'm thinking about is my body, like all the way back to when I was a tiny, tiny little girl. And I'm like, I mean, the revelation was like, how much time have I wasted not being present because I'm so consumed with my own Mm -hmm. self. And that was devastating to me, but also it was on the road to freedom. Like sometimes your heart has to break before you can really become free. Yeah, it was an internal issue for you. It wasn't what other people are looking at my body. It's truly how you felt about your own body. Because I know that's a separate issue for some people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I, everyone was always complimenting me on my body. Like they would always be like, you don't need to lose any weight. You're literally perfect. And now I can look back in photos and agree with that. But at the time, I could not. Because when I looked in the mirror, I saw someone who was 40 pounds heavier than I was. Mm -hmm. And ironically, now I am 30 pounds heavier (laughs) than I used to be. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? I look great. You look great. It's not that I love every part of my body. It's that I'm like, this is a very healthy and natural and normal body. And, but I, I mean, even when I was so thin, I could not see that. And so I had this body dysmorphia as well. And again, it was not diagnosed with that, but I really did not see myself how I, other people saw me or for reality. And so it was this inner constant thought um, that everyone is noticing. If I gained three pounds, everyone has noticed literally everyone. I mean, I walked around and assumed every single human. I mean, even just two years ago, I would sit in church and see like, maybe I didn't love all my arms looked in a dress and I'd be like everyone behind me, the entire sermon. I'd be like, everyone is looking at my arms. Everyone is looking at my arms. I wish I hadn't worn this shirt. And I'm like, I love Jesus. I love church. I love my pastor. I love his sermons. And like, I was like, there's something wrong with that, you know, to be like, so focused on myself. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, oh, it was really sick. Like it's really sick. Like my mind was sick. And so my sister, you know, she, Mm -hmm. she kind of walked through, like explain to me why you feel out of control with food. What does that mean? And then I, that's when I kind of stumbled into this, like, well, you know, I just, I'll eat so perfect all day. I'll eat like 700 calories all day, but then I like blow and I eat like a thousand calories at night all in one sitting. And she's like, okay, so maybe you have a binge eating disorder. And I was like, oh no, people who binge eat, they'll eat like a whole pizza or a whole cake. And like, I wasn't that person. I was eating like popcorn and mango strips and dried bananas, like healthy things that were like, like in my disordered eating, I was like, these are good snacks. The morally good snacks. The morally good (laughs) snacks. Like I'm not eating cake and pizza, binging those things. I'm eating the morally good snacks. How could that be wrong? But also it really bothered me that I was eating 1000 calories of it when I was quote unquote done for the night. Well, you should never be done eating for the night at 800 calories. But in my mind, it's like, okay, maybe I'll have a little snack. So I'd leave those extra calories. And then next thing you know, I'm having all of the snacks and And so it's like every day I would try to start over. Today is the day I'm not going to do that. And every day I would quote unquote fail. 
So I'm explaining this to my sister and she's like, I mean, we are very close. And she's like, Rachel, I didn't, I didn't know, like, this is what all goes on. I didn't know you think about this like all day. And that's when she was like, I think you have an eating disorder. And within that day, I was like, oh my gosh, I have an eating disorder. <laughs> I started and taking like online tests. I did so many. And I was like, they would say things like, um, and then I did the whole body dysmorphia too. I like would take these online quizzes and stuff. And it was like, if you think about food more than like 40 times a day, and I was like, 40? Just that I'm last like, hour. I'm like, <laughs> 500. Like, or if you check yourself in the mirror more than like 25 times a day. And I was like, seriously, I think I'm at 100 easily. You know, it's like, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm off the charts, you know? And again, I wasn't, I didn't go and get formally diagnosed with these things, but I was like, that was a really stark wake up call for me. Like, was, you yeah, I was going to ask, problem. is that, was that revelation like easy to swallow and freeing? Like, oh, there's something now I can solve it versus no, absolutely just not. devastating. Like it was devastating. Like, it was, I was filled with shame. Oh, I was like yeah. filled with shame. Like I was oh, like, I yeah. am 39 years old. I'm a mother of eight kids. Like I am a speaker to women. I run ministries. Like how could I not know I have this problem? It wasn't how could I have this problem? It was how could I not know? Sure. Like how could this be? Sure. I could be so blinded and my aunt is my mentor. And she just said, Rachel, the Lord knew when you were ready to know it. Very true. And he, in his grace, revealed it to you when you were ready to do something about it. And my, I mean, people around me were like close to me, you know, friends and my sister, they, they were like, I honestly don't know that you were healthy enough in other areas um, of my mind. I had really, really struggled for a few years with some specific family members that really hurt me and honestly did a massive number on my belief in my self-worth. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. Um, I have phenomenal relationships with them now. God has done such a solid work, but I just, um, I really just believed so poorly of myself. And sure. people don't understand that because I'm a very outwardly confident person and I'm an inspirer and an encourager. And that's what I do. But when I really started doing some self-assessment, I realized I literally feel like garbage, like in every, every room, every, it's like, I'm the bottom of the barrel and I'm, I don't even know why I'm here. And God used, well, I think the enemy first tried to use these close family relationships to, um, take me down. Right. And then God used those close family relationships and those deep wounds to get a hold of me and to show me my worth has absolutely nothing to do with what any single human on this planet could ever say or believe or think of me. And if, as long as I continue to believe that I will never be free and I will never be whole and I will never be healed. And I will never be able to do the things that he's going to call me to do. As long as I continue to believe my worth comes from those people. Sure. So I started finally making progress there. And then the eating stuff came in yeah. and those around me are like, you were, you would have unraveled. Like I already struggle with depression and suicidal thoughts at times. And I'm very honest about that with those around me. And I'm very proactive with supplements or, you know, physical activity or even medication when needed, obviously prayer. And so they were like, we don't know that you could have handled that right. heap of sh like, I, I let yep. the shame yep. come on me and I, I didn't stay there and I knew I wouldn't, but it's like, oh, I already feel like garbage. Please, please, please dump three trash bags on top of me. Okay. And you know, that's how it felt. And so, no, it was not liberating or freeing at all. It was very, I was very yeah. ashamed and I had nothing to be ashamed about. I want to mm -hmm. say if you're listening yeah. and you're like, this is me, you have nothing to be ashamed about. Sure. Is it good to stay in disordered eating? No, it's not. You will never feel free or you will never feel happy. Like you will never get, even if you, like I have been at my goal weight, my physical peak condition with little six pack, like, like legs that don't even jiggle when I'm jumping in the air. Like I know what it is to have literally the perfect body. And I was, I was just enslaved to it because well, I have to work out harder to maintain it. And it's like, well, then I plateaued and it's like, well, now I have to do something more restrictive in my food or even more. And it's like, this is not a maintainable lifestyle. Even right. bodybuilders can't look like a bodybuilder all year round. They have to like taper down and taper up. And I could never do any of that because it would lead to such mental havoc in my mind. But <laughs> seriously, but I appreciate that you said too, that you had I really do feel like God gave you that grace at that time to not mm -hmm. take it all on. And I think sometimes we do that. We feel like we got to take on every bit and piece of it, that there was seasons yeah. that it was appropriate for you to learn about that and then walk through it. Tell me mm -hmm. what recovery looked like. Mm. Yeah. Well, 
recovery looks, I would say, look. Oh, I like that. I I like that. Yeah, (laughs) because I'm still in it. Uh, And I probably always will be. Looks for me like getting as much information as I could and understanding what I was dealing with. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And I started following a lot of people on social media that were talking about these issues who were showing their perfect gym body when they're posed. And then in the next slide or multiple slides showing all their cellulite that you didn't see in that one picture. And like those kinds of things were incredibly helpful for me. Like this person's eating healthy, this person's working out, but look, she's still human. And I started following people who shared their healthy foods. And then when they got a burger and an ice cream, you know, like mm-hmm. I started following people who talk about intuitive eating and how that is, I think the, um, is antithesis the right word of disordered yeah. eating? Is that the right way to say that? Like, like the, Pinnacle. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, it's like all the, you're saying the opposite, but yep. It doesn't apply, does it? I always use words that don't apply. I don't think that applies. Intuitive eating is like the opposite of disordered eating. There you go. Yep. It's going, hey, you're going to want to edit that one out if you want. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need it edited out because I say stupid (laughs) stuff all the time. I'm like, my sister's always like, that is not the right word. You should not be using that word. I'm like, really? Let me Google it. Oh, wait. Well, I felt, I'm like, I don't know. So I didn't know either. So I'm like, it yeah. sounds good. <laughs> it sounded, sounded very intelligent. And I would have been listening going, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know the word antithesis. I just don't know what it means or how do we use it? <laughs> Feel free not to edit any of this stuff. This is what we leave in our podcast because we are a mess nonetheless. Why would we take any of the messy stuff out? I love that. <laughs> it, intuitive eating. I started learning a lot about that. It is basically feeding your body as it wants to be fed and not withholding things from it so that yeah. then it's binging on it or it's like calling it bad food. It's like, if you want a cookie, eat a freaking cookie. I mean, obviously, if you need 100 cookies today, you're probably not going to need 100 cookies tomorrow and the next day. And the next day. It's right. like listening to your body, giving your body what it wants. So it's not asking for, it's going to, it's like they say kids should do this in theory. They should eat what, but I disagree with that because unless I forced my kids to eat vegetables, they certainly did not. <laughs> and other people's kids don't seem to eat vegetables unless they force them. And so I'm like, I don't know. They say babies do, but at some point we grow out of it and we have preferences and stuff. And, yeah. But like, I actually love to eat healthy foods. But mm-hmm. I was using healthy foods as like a, um, almost like a punishment, you know, or like mm-hmm. a way to make up. And then, you know, suddenly didn't love eating healthy foods anymore because it was, it wasn't what I was craving. Whereas now, like I made grilled cheese for my family the other night in the past, I never would have eaten it. I would have eaten something else, even if I wanted the grilled cheese, or I would have eaten half a grilled cheese and like berated myself for it. Mind you, I buy very healthy bread, like the healthy yeah. kinds of cheeses and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, it's just a grilled cheese. Right. And, I ate a grilled cheese and a half. I thought nothing of it is honestly, I wasn't really in the mood for it, but I didn't want to make anything else. And so I just, I ate that. And, um, and it's like, it's fine. It's not the end of the world. And there is no B rating of that tonight or the next, you know, that night or the next day or a week later. And it's just like, sometimes you just have to eat food and it can't be like, well, now I have to eat healthy all day tomorrow because I ate a grilled cheese tonight, you know? And so that's, Recovery was learning so much about it and understanding my own mind and like my own triggers. And so like if I go away for a weekend and everybody overeats when they go away or you're eating out, even if you're eating, trying to eat healthier, still they put more salad dressing on things and whatever and coming home and like everything in my head will go, I'm going to start over, quote unquote, I'm going to restrict like because I feel so terrible in like this extra fluff that I gained from the weekend. And so recovery for me was going, you know, sure, I could eat that rice cake and some butter, which I do like to eat. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't want to eat it, I'd be like, but I have to eat it because I just ate this way all weekend. And so recovery for me looks like, actually, I'm kind of in the mood for a bagel and I rarely have bagels in the house. I'm just going to eat a bagel and like letting myself eat a bagel when I don't actually normally eat bagels, but I was in the mood for a bagel and not punishing myself for yeah. that. And of course, you know, it's like, if I want to eat healthy, I'm going to eat healthy. But if it's to like punish myself, then it's almost like I make myself do the opposite. And so, you know, and as a result, I gained 20 pounds. I, I mean, I did. I, I started recovering and I started healing and I gained weight, which was the worst thing I could imagine before all of this. And it's been an amazing process of learning to love my body at all of the stages, which was not easy, but mm-hmm. I'm working on it every day. And I feel I've made a ton of freedom or progress in that. And for me, because I'm such a open book and like, I do like to share my life with people because I know that it, I know it helps other people. So for me, recovery started looking like telling people what I was thinking and feeling. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't see me 
eating this, it's not because I'm restricting. It's because I'm, I'm worried I'm going to binge on it and I don't want to. Um, if you see me eating foods, I didn't used to eat, you know, just applaud me in your mind, but maybe don't make a big deal of it because it maybe took everything in me to eat that food. And I, you know, you can talk to me privately later or whatever, but just maybe, you know, or like, don't talk to me about your own weight loss or your own food, like, or your own diets. Like I just, I just needed space to not think about those things, which I was always thinking about. And so just try not to think about that as much. And, um, I read the book, um, breaking free from body shame by Jess Connolly. Okay. And I highly recommend it. And then I read the book on intuitive eating by it's like a couple of registered dietitians. I actually think they wrote it like 25 years ago and they've redone it because it's like more popular again. Yeah. I mean, it was redone. Um, but, and I've read other books too, but those two really were helpful to me. Um, and just paying attention to my thoughts through the day. And like I said, kind of like mentally slapping my own hand when I start slipping into old habits. And, you know, I, I only said the one thing on the list, but I would like to just run down the list. The yeah, other, do. Yeah. Okay. So one is struggling to eat in front of others. Mm-hmm. Obviously that could look very different for every person. Um, yeah. you just eat one portion in front of people and then you binge later, or you only eat certain things in front of people, but you would never eat that way if like if you weren't on display, um, or maybe like for me, when I was really thin and people were questioning that I actually ate more in front of them to appease them Mm. and then would eat way less the next few days to like make up for it. And so it was like, just keep people off my back. Although this is not healthy. (laughs) No, but you're also just that automatic. My husband would say this about me all the time is the, I attribute other people. Like I, I, I'm like putting words in people's mouths. We're putting thoughts in people's heads is the way he mm-hmm. said. Like I'm mm-hmm. already assuming if I add that extra mm-hmm. scoop of Jello, then the my whoever's right. sitting next to me is going to be like, oh well, you know, you should have had more vegetables, yeah, or yeah. whatever. It's like that. You have to stop uh, worrying. Or I had I had to stop putting thoughts in other people's heads. Like, yep. like mm-hmm. unless Same. they say something out loud to you, you're not allowed to think they think it. Same. Except people did say it out loud to me. So well, then see, that's a different, that's a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> people did say things out loud to me, which is fine. Yeah. Um, really and truly it is fine. I'm not upset at all. But then as a result, I did, I acted and ate differently in front For of them. Sure. Yeah. To keep them off my back. If that makes sense. Yeah. And no, then but they totally think, makes sense. Yeah. Oh, she clearly doesn't have a problem. Look what she just ate in front of me. Well, yeah. I did have a problem. I just yeah. ate that way to keep you away from my problems. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> um, the third one is developing rigid, rigid rituals or rules around eating and shame, anxiety, guilt, obsessive feelings around food, self-imposed rules, eating food in a suit and order, cutting foods into certain sizes and pieces and things like that. Use of excessive condiments to make food, um, what? excessive use of condiments to make food less appetizing or not. Like some people put like a bunch of hot sauce on something. So then they, Interesting. like, then they're like, okay. Oh, I don't. Actually, I saw that on The Biggest Loser, actually, Julian Michaels, like the trainer on The Biggest yeah. Loser told people to do that. Like if you're done eating at a restaurant, mm. literally put hot sauce all over everything so mm. you don't go back and pick while you're sitting there enjoying the conversation. Which and honestly, like, for people who need to lose a couple hundred pounds, it's not a bad strategy, but it's not a great strategy like for life. <laughs> but if your body is telling you you are still hungry mm-hmm, and you're mm-hmm. you're restricting because, yeah. oh no, I, I can't or whatever. Then yeah. it, so there's a balance in that. I agree. Uh-huh. But that's, I think that's what they're referencing in that one. Yeah, they are. And I'm realizing I read it wrong the first time because I was thinking I used to use um, mustard a lot, like all different kinds of mustards because it's a free food. Because yeah. it's like basically vinegar and what else is a mustard? It's like not, it's not mayonnaise. There's like no calories in it. Yep. And so I would use mustard and like hot sauce on everything only because it's like, then I didn't need to put cheese in it. So sure. it's like, Hey, it's kind of land or I would put salsa in things, which it's, that's great. Put salsa yep. on your food. But if you're only doing it, so you don't have to put anything else like lettuce and salsa is, yep. you know, versus like what else, you know, you're going to put ranch dressing or something on it. And so for me, I use condiments in a different way. So I, I mis, misread that the first time, but no, that's interesting. But it's interesting to think of it that way too. I had not thought of that. Um, I actually, my husband and I had this conversation because we've been eating more vegetables and different things. Mm-hmm. And we'd often feel really guilty about adding ranch to it. And I read it, yeah. they were talking about that. They're like adding ranch or any kind of dip to your vegetable does not take away the nutritional value exactly. of the vegetable. Mm-hmm. So enjoy mm-hmm. the vegetable. It's okay to yeah. add that extra five to 10 calories yeah. if you... Mm-hmm to get yourself to eat. That's great. Do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, yeah. um, Alana, I can't remember her last name, but she does the to be mindset. I used to be a beach body coach. And so oh, mm-hmm. I really like, like, I like the concept of it is like, you just eat a lot of vegetables and mm-hmm. enjoy everything you want cake. Sure. Nothing's off limits. Right. I think that's actually like, I do eat that way a lot. 
I mean, I would say that's like a lifestyle for me in general is like eating a lot of vegetables, but she was always like anything that's going to make you eat more vegetables is fine. Now she was focusing on weight loss because she lost a hundred pounds and she sure. helped people lose a hundred pounds. But so she was like, if you're eating too much ranch, you won't lose any weight, which of course is accurate. Um, and right. that's where like, for me, it's like, okay, well now I'm measuring my ranch and I'm watering it down. And it's like, okay, so I'm getting a little disordered again, you know, and it's like, right. it's okay to be like, well, I actually like my ranch a little watery, which is true. I do. Right. I don't like thick ranch. So like when a restaurant brings me ranch, I ask for it on the side because I always put too much. Oh, I can't stand a salad with too much dressing. I won't eat sure. it. So unappetizing. Yep. That is not a disordered eating thing. And these are all things I had to work through. That is actually my taste, my preference. preference. So mm -hmm. it's like, do I actually prefer this or is that a disordered eating thing? No, I actually prefer it. I actually prefer all of my salad dressings watered down. I love like a vinaigrette, but I like ranch and Thousand Island. So yeah. like they give a little cup, I dump some water and I did learn that from Alana. It is a weight loss thing. But for me, I'm not trying to lose weight. It's like I actually prefer my dressing more liquidy. Now, sometimes you got to add a little salt and pepper on it because now you've just taken away a little bit of flavor. Sure, but sure. so it's that's what recovery has looked like for me is recognizing what things do I actually prefer and they're not just rules. Yeah. You know, and it's like, no, I actually do prefer it that way. And I actually don't prefer to eat bagels regularly. <laughs> I yeah. actually do prefer salad over pizza. I might want one piece of pizza, but like there are some things that are okay because that's my preference. To you know, to, but it's like, but I but pizza's not off the table for me, and that's important to know. It's like if I want pizza, I'm going to eat pizza. Yeah, yeah. All right, tell us number four on the list. Okay, so four is all about body dissatisfaction that interferes with daily activities. Now, this is where I still really struggle. Okay, um, specifically with my husband. God love him. He does not notice when I gain weight. I mean, he really doesn't. I mean, if he, he, and I say it because I'll show him like a picture when I've lost weight and he'll be like, oh my gosh, I really don't remember you looking like that. <laughs> <laughs> like when I'm pregnant, he's like, you, I mean, surely you've gained like 20 pounds. And I'm like, 65. Like, what are you smoking? You know, <laughs> he's just like the best human ever. I'm so glad to have him. But I, like, if I feel bad in my body on a day, it doesn't have anything to do with taking my clothes off or anything intimate. Literally, I'm just like in a bad mood towards him. It's like yeah. I'm taking it out on him and I yeah. I hate that. And so we actually went to American Eagle the other day to buy some shorts from our daughter. She was at school and she was like, can you pick me up some? Like, And um, I tried on, I tried, we're like the same-ish size. I know how they fit me. Well, I know how they'll fit her based on how they fit me. And then I also was trying out a pair of shorts and I wear American Eagle jeans. I just bought American Eagle jeans like three months ago and they still fit me great. And all of a sudden I was like, two sizes bigger than that in these shorts in order for them to be comfortable the way I like them. I like my shorts a little loose because yep. who likes to be hot and sweaty and tight in clothes. I do not. And so, and I live in Arizona, so it's really hot in the summer oh, here. Yeah. And, but even when we come back to Minnesota, it's muggy and hot there too. Yes, it is. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> and I just, honestly, I bought the shorts and I've been wearing them and I love them. But that day that going two sizes up really threw me really, really yeah, threw me. Yeah. It just, it, was not my expectation. And we left and I, my husband would tell I was in a weird mood. And I was like, I wanted to push him away and just be weird to him. And instead I just said, I'm sorry, it's not you. It's me. I'm really struggling in my body. It's not that I dislike my body. I was just shocked by the number and, and the number is fine. Once I have them in my closet, I'll never think about that number again. Yeah. I mean, that's the good news for me at this place in my recovery. That was not true. And you know, in the last couple yeah. of years, but, um, but just getting them like in the store and trying on different sizes and yeah. that throws women. It's not, I mean, you it don't does. have to be a disordered eater for that to throw someone, but mm -hmm. that's where I still struggle. Sometimes it's like, it interferes with your daily activity. It interferes with my ability to just be like a really nice human sometimes, not to other people, but to my family and specifically my husband, or like, if I am just like feeling really terrible in my body, I will have a very hard time like wearing certain clothes or walking to school because then like my shorts are riding up and there's all these really thin moms and they're walking to school. I'm like, I like these moms and they like me and whether they think I look good or bad, it really doesn't matter. Right. But like, it sometimes will stop me. Like maybe I'll just drive. We live 0.3 miles from school. <laughs> it is not too hot yet to walk my pre-K and my fourth grader to school. And, and so I, I, force myself to do it. I know. But this is, this is something I'm so still struggling yeah. and I'm getting used to a new body. I mean, last, what is it? Is it May? Last May, I, I literally weighed 20 pounds less. So I am still getting used to a new body. And sometimes I, I used to have really thin thighs and they never rubbed against each other. <laughs> and 
and now they do. And so I'm getting used to that. And yeah. um, so that's number four. Um, let's see. Oh, individuals may wear baggy clothes, engage in disordered behaviors to manipulate your body size, check mirrors, often weigh themselves or avoid social activities due to feeling shame around their body. Yeah. Fifth one is eliminating food groups or experimenting with diets. You know, I think we all know we cut out sugar, we cut out carbs or carbs are bad, things like that. Yeah. And honestly, I do think, I do follow this one girl who, um, she's super fit and she's got like a lot, a lot of followers and I love following her even though she's super fit. Cause I will say part of my recovery was I had to eliminate a lot of people from my feed. Mm, sure. And I stopped clicking in the little explore tab and in Instagram. I stopped clicking on the boxes where it's clearly a before and after where the after is better, quote unquote sure. better. Yeah, um, yeah. I will click on them when it's clear. It's like, Hey, I actually was anorexic and now look at me 30 pounds later. I'm healthier. I will. It's clearer when I will click on those because the algorithm then spits more of those out. Right. Yep, sure. For sure. The more, I, the more I click on the before and after where you've lost 20 pounds, the more I'm going to get those. And I don't want those in my feed. It's not that I can't celebrate someone who's lost weight, who's making healthier choices. Absolutely. That is not healthy for me. Right. Yep. Inundated with that. And so there are several people like really inspiring Christian faith-filled women that I had to stop following and found out actually a couple of my friends kind of going through the same process had to stop yeah. following. And I'm like, that's sad because I know she's ministering and her heart is good, but it's messing with some of us. Right. And so, right. but I don't think all ministry is meant for all people. So that's the other mm -hmm. thing, like her ministry might be really hitting with people that God needs to reach mm -hmm. in that moment. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And she's making that, a big difference. Yeah, and yeah. that's, so good so, on them and good on her and exactly. But for you at this moment, it's not. Yep. Right. So I follow this one woman who's super fit and she's kind of one of the only ones who's super fit that I still follow because I love how she talks about relationship with food. And she's like, you should only, and she's like a bodybuilder kind of a, I don't think she does it anymore, but she used to. So she's always talking to bodybuilders, mm -hmm. which of course I'm not listening to that, but I like the advice. Cause she's like, listen, you should never be in calorie restriction more than, I think she said like eight or 10 weeks. It's like a pretty short period of time. She's like sure. in the entire year. Like she's like healthy is not calorie restriction all the time. Healthy is a short period of calorie restriction. And then the rest of the time you should be eating like a normal amount of calories. So like for me, calorie restriction looks like if I want to lose weight and I put it in on the calorie thing, it's going to say eat 1200 calories. Well, I don't know if you've ever tried to eat 1200 calories. It's, I mean, and I eat, I'm talking, I'm eating vegetables and fruits and eggs, like healthy, healthy, turkey, healthy things. It is almost impossible to stay full on 1200 calories, at least for me. I'm not that big of an eater, but then every calorie you burn, you get to eat that. So now I am inspiring myself to burn as many calories as, okay, well, I want to eat one extra pizza, pizza, pizza. I'm going to get on my mom's elliptical that night. And like, yeah. I used to do that. I think that was normal. And she's like, no, 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 no. This is how you lead to disordered eating. <laughs> Yeah, She's which like, is number six, actually, that exercise is an anecdote, yes. a reward for eating. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. The, and then, so like, when I'm in, oh, sorry, when I'm in calorie burnt or like calorie deficit mode, not in currently, but in the past, well, what happens when you want to take a rest day? You just, you don't get that extra food. Mm -hmm. And somebody might go, well, if you're not burning all the calories, you don't need that extra food. False. 1200 calories is just not enough. And that's where my binging came in was like, okay, I'm just going to eat hundred calories of popcorn because I'm just so hungry. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry, hundred calories of popcorn is not going to do much for you. Like if you're really hungry, you know, or yeah. like I wouldn't eat a banana because of all the sugar. And it's like, yeah. okay. Or I, oh my gosh, I remember the day in my recovery when I ate an apple squeeze because I was in the car and I was like, I'm shaking and I'm not close enough to home to eat and I'm not going to stop and get something on the way. But I, my kids had like apple squeezes and I ate an apple squeeze and I liked it. And I was not, I mean, I looked at the back and I was like, in the past, I never would have eaten a 60 calorie apple squeeze. I wouldn't have wasted calories on apple squeeze, a freaking apple squeeze. Like yeah. I never ate apples. Cause I was like all that sugar. And like, that's not where I want to put my calories. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's an apple squeeze. It's like one of the healthiest things you could eat. And yeah. you know, when you're, especially when you're in a pinch, like that was pretty good. And that was so freeing and kind of sad to me to realize yeah. how was to just well, I think your mindset was so focused on, like you said, calorie counting or whatever. It wasn't never the, a banana is actually nutritionally giving you potassium and all these right. pieces and where are the vitamins and minerals coming from and right. where does mm -hmm. our body, like, I know I'm playing volleyball tomorrow and I'm going to be cramping and I need more, mm -hmm. you know, whatever to, yeah. I need to be hydrated. I need all those pieces and where can I get all that from versus just, I have to stick to this calorie load right. or I can't have that carb because you know right. what I mean? You start 
again, putting moralizing with food, but also mm -hmm. you're just not eating in a, in a tenor that is truly feeding your body because mm -hmm. we're just worried yep. about the calories. Well, and I mean, I don't know your opinions on alcohol, but I, if you want to add alcohol into a 1200 yeah. calorie yeah. diet, I mean, for me, it wasn't a diet. It was just like, oh, this is how I'm going to stay thin. Yeah. Um, I was like, this is a lifestyle. No, no, 1200 calories is not a lifestyle. <laughs> False. <laughs> That's a lie that needs to be smashed. Yeah. Um, if you want to add in two glasses of wine, it's like, okay, it's 115 calories each. It's like, there's 230. Well, what did I do? I restricted 250 calories earlier in the yep. day and I ate smaller portions or I would eat like a little piece of salmon and like green beans, which I love. Those are like two of my favorite things. But because those were the lowest calories I could eat in a lunch and still be sustained, yeah. I would eat my breakfast based on not what I wanted, but what was the lowest amount of calories that could sustain me. Yeah. And I was always processing through what is the lowest amount of calories that will get me through to the next time I'm, I'm allowing yeah. myself to eat. I would say too, because weight loss, a lot of weight loss um, advice, the first thing is like, get rid of the liquid calories, get rid of the mm -hmm. sodas and the, all the things that are causing you alcohol, anything that's causing you extra calories that you don't, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So right. I understand again, the mindset of that, or the, again, if you are in a space where your body is not functioning in a healthy manner and you need to lose weight to be healthy so that you can walk. Right. And so you can have physical activity to right. keep, you know, keep up with your life and to make yeah. you well, I understand that. But yeah. when your body is at a relatively healthy right. place, mm -hmm. then we maybe need to re restructure our mindsets on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think the whole 30 and paleo and all that, I don't think that any of them are inherently bad. Yeah. But I think they all, if not careful, even the, you know, the 2B mindset, which I think is, I know it's a diet. I know it is, but it's mm -hmm. like one of the healthiest long lasting like things that you can do. And there is a lot of freedom built into it. All of those, if we're not careful, can lead to exactly where I landed. And right. remember in my twenties, I gained 15 pounds and I didn't even notice till I went to the doctor. And I was like, yeah. Oh no, I thought my pants just shrunk in the dryer. Like all of them at the same time, literally, I was so, so naive. And like, I would joke about it with friends. Like oh, I went to the doctor and I was 13 pounds more. I had no idea. And it's like, I really didn't know. I really did not care that much in my twenties about my body. And I mean, I was bigger in my twenties than I am now I actually weighed the same, but I I didn't work out at all. So like, I actually look more toned and fit now, but, um, and I was like, just fine with my body. Like once in a while I felt fat, but like, so it's like, this didn't just like, I didn't come out the shoot this way. Like yeah. something led me to this. And in part, I think it was getting really thin and being like, well, now I want to stay here mm -hmm. and two, doing all these little in the name of health, mm -hmm. these little, I didn't call them diets, lifestyle changes. They were diets, but lifestyle changes. Yeah. Thinking this will keep me here in this body and in this place. And, um, and yeah, it all led me to it. It's like, I almost like did it to myself, you know, yeah. and I don't have any shame over that anymore. So I don't feel sorry for myself when I say I, that, but yeah, no, I think that's good that you don't dwell in that space. And it's like you said earlier, it's okay to have hit that rock bottom to process through it, but to move forward from it. Yeah. And I also appreciate that you keep coming back to the thought that it is a forever process. Um, your friend CJ said on your podcast, it's like that toolkit that we collect and mm -hmm. it's remembering to use those tools because yep. we can yep. get complacent or we just forget we even had that. Mm -hmm. I think that can be, I mean, that analogy can go through so many different yep. areas of our lives, but definitely with eating and some of the ways that we talk to ourselves, we have to continually mm -hmm. come back to, I feel solved of that, but not really, you know, right. it's going to come back. So let's, yep. yeah. Yeah. I might feel great about my body eight days in a row. And then I have one really bad day Yeah, and then I just need to pick up my tools and make the next yeah. eight days. Great. You know, it's like, you know, it is what it is. And for yep. me, I've just learned, like, I don't weigh myself very often, but, um, sometimes I do because I'm like, oh, I feel like my pants are getting smaller or smaller on me or looser on me, like whatever. And so I'll wait, but I will not weigh myself if I'm even remotely not in a good place. Sure. Cause it wreaks havoc on me. If yeah. I'm in a good place, I'm like, I can handle this information. Or let's say I haven't tried a couple of tank tops on in a while. And like, for me, I'm, I'm in this stage of actively growing out of my clothes. <laughs> I think it's settled. Like I haven't seemed to get beyond this in a while, but like that was, that was challenging. And I couldn't, if I was in a bad body image place, um, I could not try on things to see if they fit. Um, or maybe I've, maybe I've shrunk a little bit and I'm like, well, maybe those fit. Like I have to be in a good mental space for that or else it derails me. And now I want to start restricting again. And it's like, 
okay, that's a trigger for me. So like be in a really great place mentally before you start wondering if something you haven't worn in a while fits you, if you're worried it's going to be too small, or even if you finally fit back into it, you know? Yeah. I think that's such wise words to be mentally aware of that, that those are the things that why am I doing this at a moment when I know I'm not feeling good about myself? This right. is going to make myself probably feel worse. And Absolutely. I'm, yep. Like, Absolutely. or am I my period? Why am I thinking this is the time of the month that I should do this moment yep. right Absolutely. now? Um, Absolutely. Before we wrap up, I do want to ask one more kind of thought process or like take us a little bit on a rabbit trail here of you're also a mother. Mm-hmm. What do you think about all of this with your, and I don't want to, just say girls, but do you have yeah. concerns about what that looks like? Or do, have you noticed that they noticed or have you had conversations with them about what you had struggled with? What did that look like as yeah. a mom to, to children? Well, my, it's a great question. My older daughter is 26. We adopted four kids when they were teenagers. So now they're adults. And she has had her own issues with body because her body, because she was really skinny when she was on drugs and like really skinny mm-hmm. and then, you know, got healthier. And actually I don't think she struggled that much at that place, but then she actually gained some weight, like maybe 40 pounds and she's pretty petite. So that was hard for her, but then she stopped drinking and started exercising and then she lost 40 pounds and then she got pregnant. Right. And so it's like, <laughs> and she was dealing with her body then. And honestly, like she's really of womanhood. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to being a woman. And she's just, I mean, she looks so great. Like she, mm. you know, it's taken her almost a year to kind of get back to like where she hoped to be. And Um, but she's just been plugging along and she's like, but motherhood is my first priority over my Mm -hmm. body. And she's just, you know, we want to eat healthier, but not because I just need to lose weight. I want to eat healthier because we want Maverick to eat healthier and we want him to see us eating healthier and we want to drink less alcohol because that's better for us, you know? And I feel like she has a really healthy, um, mindset of her body. And then my 12 year old daughter, my God's good grace. Like, I mean, I have been very careful about how much I talk about my body in front of my kids or how I talk about my body. In fact, when I was like my thinnest. Um, I bent over in my underwear or in a swimsuit or something in front of one of my little kids. They were really little at the time in my stomach. I mean, I still had the little skin that hung, mm-hmm. you know, it looked flat when I stood up, but not when I hung and they were like, ha ha, what is that? And I was like, Oh, look at this. And I was like jiggling it and showing them. I was like, this is small. Everybody, look, you know, and I was like, I could have been offended. Like, Hey, don't point that out. Or that's rude. But I was like, no, this is cool. Like, look, I got yeah. this from having babies. I got all stretched out and then it shrunk back in. And so I always have tried to like point out the positive in our bodies. I don't think they have a clue of all that has gone in my mind. That being said, one of the things I think God has been doing in my body is matching me to my daughter. Cause my daughter is 12. Mm-hmm. And she, oh, she's larger than me. And, um, she's African-American. So she's built very different than me. And mm-hmm. I, like, I don't want her to be a 12 and for me to be a four. Like, I don't want that for her. And I don't want her to wake up and start comparing herself to me. And so I have literally been like growing with her. And so while I struggle with that for myself, I'm so happy for her that like, she doesn't seem to notice her body. All her friends are like still in kid sizes, you know, like yeah, they're just yeah. tiny little girls. And she doesn't seem to notice that I'm whispering a little because she is in the house. <laughs> she comes <laughs> in the morning no. and goes, that looks cool. And like, um, she'll just bring me clothes and be like, mom, these don't fit me anymore. So weird. I just got them yeah. last summer. And like, she really has like no idea that why that has happened or what. And I was actually kind of mad at the pediatrician. And I'm going to have a talk with her before we go back for her next appointment, because she was like, oh, well, this is what you gained this year. And I mean, that's kind of a lot. We don't really like to see that, but I mean, positive body image or ish, image or whatever, body positivity. And I was like, I'm sorry, you could have said that to me. You could have asked her to step out of the room. She, well, she was 11 years old. I was like, yeah, I'm not okay with that. Please don't ever again, talk to my daughter about her weight. Yeah. <laughs> talk to me. She's a minor, like, yeah. you know, my daughter's a little oblivious. I don't think she yeah. noticed, but um, and she never weighs herself or thinks about her weight. She's just like, oh, I need new clothes because my old ones don't fit. And she's like yeah. so excited to get new clothes. And so, yeah, it's, I would say my mess seriously by the grace of God seems, especially with my younger daughter, excuse me, seems to have been contained within my own mind. I don't think that's true with my older daughter. I know I talked a lot more with her because she's like my friend. I mean, she's my daughter, but she's, you know, we're buds. She's 26 and she's a mom herself. And And I am sorry for that. If, you know, if she's had to work through watching me be so thin and like comparing herself to me and she's never mentioned that to me, like ever, that doesn't mean it's not true. Um, But now she sees me sharing very actively on social media and with everyone around me, like the freedom to be had. Like yesterday I posted, 
I literally was actually wearing this exact outfit because I put it on for a couple hours last night and I'm going to the gym after this. So I was like, well, this is what I'm wearing. And my, my vest, my top are a size small and my shorts are a size 12. (laughs) And I was like, somebody needs to know. And like, I share those kinds of things like, oh, these pants are large and this shirt's an extra large. Like sizes are crazy. And we let them like pull us. And I'm like, I just want everyone around me to like find this freedom. And I've had so many friends say, through watching you, Rachel, get so free, mm-hmm. I'm inspired to find my own freedom in this area, to get my own self in check, to figure yeah. things out on my own. Um, you know, I, I just, yeah, it's, it's so important. And I, my sister and I said on our last podcast about body image, there is no one who gets to 90 and goes, I am so glad I wasted all those years worrying about my body and my size. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I appreciate you, yeah. I appreciate you sharing about your um, younger daughter too. I have a 13 year old and I just notice in her no concern ever. Same mm-hmm. way. Like she has yes. no concern about, and she's beautiful. I, I love her. Um, and I'm going to say this and it's going to sound really mean. She has no fashion sense of like, she doesn't oh my, care. She has her preferences too. of what she likes, but it doesn't, yeah. it's not affected by the friends other or people's opinions. Yes. Mm-hmm. She's very much my husband, which I love, but I have, <laughs> I remember, and this is a horrible story, but I remember crying on the way home from the ultrasound when I found out it was a, she was going to be a girl in that I was still struggling with things that I would, I was like, I'm still struggling with things that like I should have solved when I was 18. How am I going to mother her and get her through that, that Mm -hmm. series of life. And, and it's been a blessing for me to see her just be her and, and not like you said, okay, this doesn't fit anymore or whatever. She doesn't care. Or like Matthew had um, a shirt that he didn't wear. And she's like, well, I'll wear it. Like she didn't care. She wear, yeah. wear her dad's clothes. And there was yeah. not that sense of, A, I can't wear it because it's not flattering or mm-hmm. I'm too small or too big or all of those pieces. And it's just like, I want to bottle that for her. And I want her mm-hmm. to have that confidence in herself and have that. So I agree. There's a weird line of how much do we share? How do we, you know, like, I don't want mm-hmm. her to know all the struggles I've had in life, but at the same time, I want her to be confident. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That there is healing and there is. So I, I think God will reveal those at the right time or convict, convict me at the right time. So yeah. when it's time mm-hmm. to share, but thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great question. Yeah. Um, other things that we are going to be putting in the show notes, anything you want to leave words of wisdom, thoughts of things? Well, if any of this resonated with you, please, please, please start doing the work. Yeah. What, I mean, I, if you're a Christian, by all means, ask God, God, what? What do I need to do here? If you're not a Christian, I still think you can ask God. But if you're like, I don't want to, at the very <laughs> least, ask Google. <laughs> at the very least, start getting some information. <laughs> and I, in the show notes, I have some people that I follow um, on Facebook, or I'm sorry, Instagram. And I really recommend people start following them. And it's going to change your al- algorithm. You know, it's going to inspire Instagram to pop out more people like that. Yeah. And, and I, I do want to say, I do want this in the show notes, but I had written this down because I got it somewhere. I certainly didn't write this myself, but it said what I thought would heal my brain. And this is for a binge eater, avoiding binge foods, having more discipline to stay within my calorie goals, finally losing weight for good. And that was me 100%. That's why I always had an answer for my sister when she asked me, well, this is how I'm working on healing my brain is I'm going to stay within my calorie goals and finally lose the weight and then I'll feel great. What actually healed my brain was eating my fear foods regularly, learning they're not bad. They're just mm-hmm. food. Yeah. eating until mentally satisfied, which is not the same as feeling physically full. Yep. Sometimes you just want to eat more because it feels good mentally and that's okay. And finding meaning in more than my body image. Mm-hmm. And one of the most profound things that I discovered in therapy was my body is just along for the ride. It is not the main attraction. Mm. I go, this body just goes with me. Like my soul is the main attraction. What I bring to the table is who God made me inside. The very thing that's going on to the next life. The only thing going on to the next life is my soul and my spirit. That is who I am. I am not defined by, or my main attraction is not what I look like. And anybody listening, your Mm -hmm. body is not the main attraction. It's just along for the ride. It's just a gift to take us where we need to go. Yeah, for sure. That was huge for me. 
I love that. And I, I, like I said, all that will be in the show notes. Um, we'll post to your podcast. We'll post to you on social so people can connect with you. I just really appreciate you sharing today and being vulnerable and, and just walking us through what yeah. that journey has looked like for you. Thank you for asking. And you picked yeah. the topic and I absolutely love it. I'm doing yeah. another podcast in a couple of weeks and she was like, pick the topic. And I was like, I think I might do the same one. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> do, I think you have such wisdom in it. Yeah. And the, the wisdom that you have for it and also the ability to give practical thoughts of how you are changing your mindset and yeah. the support you have from family and things. I think those are the nuggets that people need to like, it's okay. And we can walk through that together. I love it. Exactly. Well, and one last thing too, mm -hmm. if you're a size person, which I think if you're a woman, you probably are. Mm -hmm. My thing I do, this is how I end up with size 12 shorts or extra large, even though I'm really like not those sizes. Um, is I go to the store and I just pick up the shirts and I, I don't look at the tags. I just pick them up and go, well, this one doesn't look like it'll fit me. This one looks like it'll fit me. Like I like, sure. yeah. and I take it in and try it on. And guess what? It's an extra large. Well, who cares? That's the size that looks the best on me. This yep. shirt is meant to be fitted and I don't want it fitted. So I'm going to buy, you know, the extra large or whatever, or picking up the shorts and going, uh, these size eights look like size twos. I'm not going to try these on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What size pants look like they fit. Oh, well, they didn't. So no big deal. I'll just try on the next size because, you know, and it's just like pick up those clothes and just examine them by what yeah. your brain says might fit you, not by what number you want the tag to say. You're right. Cause even like you said, um, I know like at Old Navy, if you have the skinny jean versus the boot oh, cut absolutely. or the relaxed fit, even the seams within those of the exact same size will fit so different. And I know of women who've like cut the tags off when they get home. So they never think about it again. Like if you, you yeah. need to totally take that number off of the yeah. clothing so that mm -hmm. you're, it fit, you feel good in it. You feel confident in it. Wear it. Also, I would like to challenge that cutting the tag off because yeah. it's just a little bit of a band aid. Yeah. You think just, nope. Watch, look at it. It's fine. What get does it, it matter if yeah. you wear a small and an extra large and those in this shirt and in this shirt and they're next to each other, who cares? Yeah. I don't actually think taking the, this is just my personal opinion. No, it's good. I don't actually think cutting the tags off is a long-term success yeah. because then every time you go to the store, you're still thinking about that number. But if you have a closet full of like a wide variety of sizes, you're like, who cares? These clearly, these sizes suck. Like just wear what fits you. And I, I leave the tags on. I'm the only thing I take out for Lululemon because those tags are long and they go right in your butt crack. Oh, they do that the worst. I don't know. Understand why. <laughs> they're, who thought of that? <laughs> that, and I do not like that because then when I go to like sell them or whatever, or someone's like, what size are those? I want to buy them. I'm like, no idea. <laughs> no, they're just. So I would actually encourage women not to cut the sizes out of theirs yes. is to be okay with all the sizes, whatever. Yeah. And maybe you're like, well, I never wear a small. How nice for you. But it's like, yeah, but what does it matter if you wear from size large to three X? Like mm -hmm. if, if three S fits you sometimes and large fits you sometimes, it really doesn't matter. It's all about how you feel in the clothes. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks again. I really appreciate all of your wisdom and yeah. I still need to say thank you one more time to Rachel. I appreciate you sharing so much about your journey with disordered eating. It really is a good check-in, like I said, for the rest of us to think through the choices that we make in regards to food and health and exercise and really just wanting to be the best versions of ourselves for those around us and ourselves. Um, I do want to really encourage you, please check out A Mess Nonetheless. It's an amazing podcast hosted by Rachel and her sister, Melissa. They are super vulnerable and share so much, again, about body image, uh, relationships, uh, their relationship with Christ. They just are so phenomenal, and I really appreciate um, Rachel being on today. If you want to check out the show notes, we put all that information that we shared on the podcast there, and I really hope that you will join me for another conversation soon here on the Recourse Podcast. Thanks, everybody.